again, good to be with you. Thanks for letting me tell you a little bit about my family and our ministry. And I would think the Lord may be taking us there. So, again, we're looking at Psalm uh, 23 this morning as we read. Uh, and as Alan mentioned, pretty familiar. Uh, very familiar text. Uh, even even uh, if you don't believe in God at all, if you're an atheist, this might be a portion of Scripture that you would know about. Uh, and by the way, Alan and Ben, sorry for getting confused about who was doing what there a second ago. Uh, but we got there, didn't we? Uh, think about this question as we, as we begin to dive in. Where are you most confident? Where are you most confident in your life? Maybe it's a place uh, where you feel you, you have some level of competence. Maybe it's a place where you feel like you have some, some level of comfort, right? Confidence and cockiness are sometimes confused in our lives, right? Uh, overconfidence. I saw a video uh, just, I think it was just this past week, of a couple of young basketball players uh, who, were, who were going at it uh, in a camp setting. And uh, one of them, I knew the name. This, this is a kid who's pretty talented. I knew of his name. And the other I hadn't heard of. And the kid whose name I had heard was just talking the whole time. This whole basketball game, uh, he's, he's going, it's not one-on-one, but he's going after this one kid in particular. Uh, and, and talking about how this kid's not, not as good as he is. He's not ready to be able to take on uh, his talent, etc. And then, of course, why do I even see the video? Because it's ironic. By the end of it, the kid who wasn't talking, he scores the game-winning basket. Uh, his friends are going wild. It, it seems like even people from the other team were coming over uh, to congratulate the humble kid. Uh, confidence and overconfidence are, are two different things, aren't they? Overconfidence can get us into uh, quite a bit of trouble. So often uh, in our lives, in our world, we are either not very confident or overconfident. <laughs> we kind of fall on uh, two sides of the horse. We're rarely riding it the right way and really confident. Uh, what we're going to look at today with Psalm 23 is confidence. 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 In the Lord. Yeah. This is actually called... Uh, or, or categorized as uh, a confident psalm. There are about nine psalms uh, that are that are categorized this way, and it's uh, it's not anything about the the structure necessarily, the the poetry. Um, it's it's the tone. It, it's the content. What's being spoken of? And Psalm 23 is actually uh, the greatest of the confidence. Psalms, uh, the one that really portrays uh, the confidence that the writer, David, had in his Lord, and therefore the confidence that he had to step forward uh, into his life, right? Uh, and so uh, we, we see that King David wrote this psalm. We don't know when in his life this happened, um, whether it was when he was a shepherd boy, or when he's on the run from King Saul, 
or later in his life when he is the king, uh, perhaps when his enemies have been conquered, or perhaps when he's on the run yet again uh, from his own son, from enemies, etc. But uh, it's interesting, you know, the fact that we don't know exactly when this was written, I think, actually helps us apply it to our own lives. It's not too rooted in specific details. Uh, And so, this psalm, there's a reason we know it. There's a reason we love it. Uh, I actually sang it when I was uh, 12 years old in Hebrew uh, for the choral union at uh, the university that was located in my, my hometown. So I've had little bits of this psalm memorized in Hebrew since I was a kid. Uh, there's a reason that I sang that, that the choral union wanted to do that. Uh, this is rooted deeply in uh, the confidence that David had in his Lord, in his covenant God, in his shepherd. Okay? And, and the fact that, again, uh, it's not too tied to specific circumstances root deeply uh, in the confidence of our shepherd king. Uh, in this psalm, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. Maybe you have. Maybe you've gone deep into this. You know exactly what I'm going to say before I say it. That's okay. The Lord can still uh, do a work in us by His Spirit this morning. Uh, what you see is, in each phrase that comes along is this intensification, Right? You think about those old, uh, they're, they're still on, really, I guess, those, those commercials, right, that say, but wait, there's more, <laughs> right? It's like you could, you could insert that phrase uh, in between each little section here of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, but wait, there's more uh, each time. Uh, and, and there's an intensification over and over and over again. It gets better than that. It gets better than that. It gets better than that uh, until uh, the end. Uh, when we're thinking about being in the house of the Lord forever. It's beautiful. It's great. And we're going to dive in. I think we'll see a few things here. We'll see God cares for His people. God cares for His people to provide for us. We'll see uh, God conquers His people's enemies. He cares for us. He conquers for us. And then we see God gives more than we could ever imagine. So we'll, we'll look through the psalm and some of those, these intensifications. We'll look at those, those three thoughts. God cares for us. God conquers for us. God gives more than we could ever imagine. And then we'll talk just a moment about how does that change us? How does that confidence transform us? Not just be something we read or heard about on a Sunday and say, oh, well, that's nice. I'm going to go keep living the exact same way that I always have. But no, we want to be transformed by the Word of God here. And so, we'll just look through this step by step. First phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. It's this intimate metaphor. And, you know, uh, in Hebrew, in the the Jewish world, uh, the tradition came along somewhere uh, that they would not pronounce the name here. When you see uh, Lord in all caps in your English Bible, that means in the Hebrew, Yahweh. And so uh, the, the tradition came about, you wouldn't say that name, you would say Adonai. But it's the covenant name of the Lord. The covenant name of the Lord here. Yahweh Roi. 
the Lord my shepherd. Uh, it, there's this intimate uh, metaphor here. The covenant God is bound up with his people and with uh, their well-being, with David specifically. Uh, the word rohi, shepherd, there's a, there's a very similar word, pronounced the exact same way, rohi, that means to see. And uh, it seems, from my study, they, they, they seem to be rooted together. There's this God who sees God who sees you, David, who shepherds you, who's with you, whose life is bound up with your life. The Lord is his shepherd. But wait, there's more. Uh, he's not just a shepherd, he's the good shepherd. We read that a moment ago in John, but we see that he's a good shepherd here in Psalm 23 as well. Why? Uh, because... He provides. You shall not want. Uh, he leads in uh, green pastures. And there's this sense in that, that phrase of leading in green pastures of this, this messianic world that is to come, that David can't see with, with perfect sight into the future of what Jesus will be and what he will do, but uh, the Lord will lead him into this place of provision. Uh, these, these still waters. He will lead him to lie down and rest. But wait, there's more. Not only that, uh, not only is he shepherd, good shepherd, but he restores spiritually. You see that? It's not just sheep we're talking about anymore. You get to that next phrase, and he restores my soul. There's something deeper going on here. You ever go on a vacation? And by the end of it, you're as tired as you were when you left, or maybe more so. <laughs> Somebody uh, drug you along a bunch of activities, or maybe you're the activity person, right? Uh, you, you go on this rest time, a week away, whatever it is, and you, you don't really rest. Or maybe you rest physically, but your soul is still uh, in angst. This is something deeper, isn't it? A deep soul renewal, a, a new life. Not just a shepherd, not just one who leads uh, in good ways, but he restores us uh, from a soul level. But wait, there is more. He not only restores us, he's not only our shepherd, uh, he also, once he makes us alive, he leads us in righteousness, paths of righteousness. Literal uh, sheep, their paths are just, you know, good path is going to be straight. Physically, but for us, for David, uh, what that means, walking in a path of righteousness, which, which either, right, the path of, of the sheep either is going to vindicate or shame the shepherd's name, isn't it? This is for the sake of his own name. This is for the sake of, of his own glory. Not because of anything that, that we do or will do. He leads us in righteousness. Not only that, uh, he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's, he's going to shepherd David through death. And so, so David is one who is saying, I can look death in the eye. And we know from the story of his life, he sure did. He sure did. Multiple times. I can look death in the eye and fear no evil. Why? For the covenant God is with me. A, it's called a, a, a pivot pattern there, right? Where uh, God is with him. He will fear no evil because God is with him. 
and to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because God is with them. And in paragraph 8, Billy observes phrases, His presence instills with them His confidence and therefore the encouragement deep in His soul. And David's not devoid of fear. He's, he, he's in it. He, he's afflicted by it. Uh, but he can follow so long as the shepherd is with him. And also we see uh, he's a shepherd who fights. He fights on David's behalf, his rod and his staff. We think of shepherds generally as carrying the one staff, right? With a little crook in it. You grab the sheep with it. Uh, you know, there's this interesting thing. A uh, book that I read uh, said that Palestinian shepherds to this day actually carry two sticks. <laughs> uh, and, and one of them is specifically to ward off predators. And so these days, it's a, it's a club, basically, with, with nails driven through the head of it to be able to swing at anything that's coming at the sheep. Maybe uh, the, the rod uh, is a predecessor of that. Uh, there's a sense in which uh, this shepherd uh, is gentle, is intimate, he's with his people, and yet he will fight on their behalf for them. The Lord gives victory. Yet again. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> the image shifts dramatically uh, from sheep and shepherds to this table. All of a sudden. Scene shift in a movie or a show or something, isn't it? Uh, the Lord gives victory. Uh, David's no longer in the field. As in verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This, this banquet is prepared by the Lord uh, for his boys. He's no longer sheep. Yahweh is the conqueror. Uh, there's this victory celebration in the presence of enemies who are who are maybe reluctant guests <laughs> at best, aren't they? Uh, the shepherd king has given David all that he needs: rest, restoration, righteousness, and a pathway through death itself via his active battle against his enemies. Uh, has now conquered those enemies and humbled them at David's feet uh, in this banquet. But wait, there's more. Not only victory. But he lavishes favor and blessing, doesn't he? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows in this banquet. David has been promised this bond of, of mutual loyalty and is represented in the, the eating, the drinking at the Lord's table. It's not merely a time to eat, uh, but these perfumed oils for rejoicing are lavished on his head. Uh, and the Lord's great generosity is, is pictured in the overflowing cup as His enemies look on powerless. And that, that naturally then moves on to this next section describing a God who, who does not merely look after His people, not merely give them lavish gifts, but is, is absolutely, unstoppably determined to do them good. He's not only a good shepherd and a conqueror, but he is a relentless friend, says David. Not only does he lavish, but, but he pursues. He pursues David with his blessing. He says, 
surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. It's a remarkable thing. It's incredible. Uh, he has been pursued by foes <laughs> and by enemies. And now the Lord shall pursue, pursue him. Same word here. Chase him. Literally, hunt him down with hov uh, and hesed. Goodness and mercy is this these covenantal words, right? A blessing. Uh, he is hunting David down with his goodness, with his loving kindness, with his mercy, with prosperity, with his favor. It's stunning. And, and coupled with what we know about David's life, it's almost unbelievable. You think about where David has been and the great sin uh, that was present in his life. If it weren't God himself telling us, it would be unbelievable. Truly. But wait. Not only does he pursue God. Not only does he pursue David uh, with goodness and mercy all the days of his life, but he welcomes him into his home eternally. Brought in. The king is not just being chased here. There's no earthly temple in David's life. He's got the, the tabernacle, right? A big tent. Right? And, and, and certainly, uh, David's expressing here a heart that would want to be in that tabernacle worship place again and again and again. But he's not saying, hey, see you guys later. I'm going to go take a sleeping bag into the tabernacle. didn't know exactly what he was looking forward to. He was looking forward to a Lord who moves, who brings him into his home forever. David's eyes were set on the eternity of pure worship of his Lord. All of this is true. We can look back. David's looking forward. We look back and see how the Lord has delivered it to us via Christ Jesus in the resurrection. And so, we see here, again, God cares for His people. God conquers for His people. God gives more than we could ever imagine. Look at these three, three thoughts, three impacts. God cares for His people. He's our God. Jesus Christ introduces Himself to us in John 10 as the good lays down his life for the sheep. He, he, he's just indicted the shepherds that were present in Israel at the time. The Pharisees. He says he's the good shepherd. He, he will lay down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for David. And that's why what David wrote here is true. He has provided for us Temporally, here and now, we're here. We're breathing. But He's provided for us so much more than that. Eternally. To bring you into a home with Him. That's why it's 
is true not just for David, but for you, his people as well. Second, God conquers our enemies. Jesus made a path through the valley of the shadow of death. Death, death. <laughs> not just looking death in the eye, as David did, but real deal death. He is the conquering shepherd king, right? He swung the rod at your enemy and struck the perfect blow on your behalf, believer. He will care for his little, fragile, yet highly valued by God himself, flock, says Luke 12. He is coming for his lost sheep, says Matthew 18, to love them, you, to show them, you and me, the way by His blood and in and through His resurrection. He's conquered for you. And third thing, God gives us more than we could ever imagine in Christ Jesus. God is the faithful shepherd who protects and leads His people into a land of everlasting blessing, a gracious King, an almighty Creator, and a gentle and gracious Father who brings us into His house into His family, to love us, to bless us forever. And in the end, as we read in Revelation 7, uh, it, it shows us that Jesus, uh, whose blood made the way to give us life, is the, the sacrificed Lamb who will be shepherding us. What a, what a fascinating word picture, isn't it? He's the Lamb who is the King on the throne, and then He will be the Lamb who shepherds us other reigning over us in this bountiful, eternal administration of benevolence. And, I, and let's not forget this. Right? This is not good news for good church people, is it? This is good news for everyone, for anyone who hears this good news and says, I need Him. I need Him. No matter what. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter what your heart is turned toward, that is not God. This is good news. Right? Anyone who knows, I cannot be good enough, I, I, I cannot obey enough, I cannot like, manifest enough, right? or think positive thoughts enough uh, in order to uh, uh, come into relationship with this God, I, I need Him. Friends, he offers himself to us freely today. Embrace him. Embrace this shepherdship. Uh, for those of us who have, well, we need to be reminded of this uh, again and again, don't we? Again and again. I thought of this uh, this weekend, uh, you know, with the way that COVID has kind of kept so many of us. We're at least to our houses and to ourselves more than we used to be, right? starting to kind of come out a bit, but, uh, and so I, I've used my yard now twice. <laughs> this will be the second time in a sermon this summer that my yard is making an appearance, but uh, a few years ago when we moved into our house, um, we didn't have much of a yard, and so uh, I, I had a little bit extra money, and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a yard for my little ones so they can run around back there and have a good time, and so I rented a bobcat, uh, which is the most fun that a man can have. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. It kind of flattened out the area and researched a little bit. What kind of grass should I put down? And they said, hey, zoysia is, uh, is a little, little more expensive, but 
uh, it's going to last. It'll look good. It'll last no matter how much your kids are running on it. So put it down. And man, this stuff just grows. You may know that already. I don't have to do a whole lot to it. I mow it. And that's about it. It just takes over everything. And it looks great. But with all the rain that we've had this summer, like again and again, the grass is just not knee high, but it's getting high. And you know what? Every time it rains and that grass starts growing up again, I forget how pretty it is. I do. I'm just, I'm, my brain, and I'm fragile. Okay? Uh, I forget. And then I got out there yesterday, or the day before, whatever it was, mowed it, and I'm like, this looks like a golf course out here. This is incredible. I may be exaggerating slightly, but it's still, it looks so pretty to me. It's a place where I feel like, wow, I just want to stick a chair out in the middle of this and rest. We need to be reminded. The same way I need to get out there and mow that lawn and be reminded, that's right, this is beautiful. It's not a mess. I need to be reminded again and again. Our hearts leak this good news. Even though we have, uh, we have pointed our hearts uh, toward Him, we've embraced Him for our salvation, nonetheless, we just again and again kind of bend back toward ourselves uh, and toward the things that, that feel like that and feel safe. When we remember the gospel, that's how gospel confidence is cultivated. This Psalm 23 confidence. How does it change us? How does it leave us not just the same as when we walked in on Sundays? Well, when you know that your needs, eternal needs, taken care of, your enemies conquered, showered with blessing, it, it cultivates a deep confidence in you. Come back to Him again and again for life. The fruit of the Spirit begins to, to be shown in our lives. The, the paths of righteousness. We, we, we follow we recognize again and again as we come back to the gospel, come back to the gospel, come back to the gospel. That's right. Jesus is right. Not my comfort, not my luxury, not my security, not my health, not, not my 401k. Okay? Jesus is my life. That's right. This is me. This is me. Right? When, you, when you hear God say this, and, and this is God's word, this isn't just David um, writing a poem that's you know, inspirational for us. 2,000 years later. No, no, no. God has said this. When you hear God say this, it's like, a, it's like a column of steel in a building running down into the granite. Okay? It, it, it makes us, over time, unshakable. This gospel confidence. And not only that, but it makes us take back that confidence. When we're transformed by this Psalm 23 covenant love, covenant God, the shepherd king, uh, we become those who, who bring his blessings to others. Because Jesus has cared for us, we care for the needs of others. Temporal, as well as spiritually. Because Jesus has conquered our enemies, we advocate for the weak, for the oppressed, the refugee, for the harassed and helpless, for the unborn, for the widow. 
against those who might take advantage. That's what the gospel changes us. And because Jesus wants us every moment of our lives to bless us eternally with his presence, we actively, creatively seek to love and bless others. Again, here and now and eternally. Sharing that beautiful reality of who He is, uh, sharing that beautiful reality of of, uh, His drawing close to bring us in tight, close to love us, to love them eternally. That's what God changes us into as we believe His gospel truth. Friends, as much as we can be in an era of the valley of the shadow of death, we are in it. Here and now. And there have been parts of it that are, that are better or worse, probably depending on your perspective a little bit, but we're, but we're in it. And as I talked about church planting, there's part of it that's, that's scary, but there's part of it that's exciting. God is up to something here and now uh, that we can be a part of in the, this valley of the shadow of death. That's great. You know what I think about in terms of confidence uh, in this COVID era? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> right? When COVID stuff cranked up and you weren't sure, can I get a bite to eat somewhere? You knew. Chick-fil-A was going to go above and beyond to take care of you. Right? No matter what you thought of Chick-fil-A, you probably got to like their chicken after food. They, these folks were willing to shut down their dining rooms. Maybe they didn't have to do that. I don't know. They were willing to go above and beyond. And then you pulled into that drive-in, drive-through space, and they had their, your food right out to you. And they said, my pleasure every time. <laughs> Could the world stay that way? In this era, in this year and a half, that we went above and beyond to love them, to care for them, no matter what it cost. I don't think they would. But you and I both know we've been a part of a church. We've seen people go down and lie. Countless little ways again and again. It happens. The Spirit of God is at work. And yet, there is this chance within us that so much of the church for our righteousness more than the love of Christ going out to others. That's my challenge for myself. That's my challenge uh, for us this morning. People with gospel confidence, with Psalm 23 confidence, go above and beyond. Maybe it's not even necessary. Maybe the masks we're wearing this morning aren't even necessary. Maybe. But I love what you're doing. And I commend you for that as we go forward. For being willing to take a step to say, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to love other people. We're going to do whatever is necessary to take care of others that they might come to know this beautiful covenant God. I don't know if you remember the movie, Catch Me If You Can. Pretty great, right? Tom Hanks is trying to catch this con man, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's 
following the clues all over the world that he did. And finally, he does catch him. And what's he do at the end? He enlists him. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's character is so brilliant. He says, you, you need to come join my team. I think there's a little bit of that uh, in Psalm 23. The Lord is chasing us. And he's chasing some folks that have yet to become part of that as well. And we're, we're to chase them down with his blessing and say, hey, come in. Come join the team. Right? We've done everything that, that we can. We're frail, we're feeble, we're sinful. But nonetheless, we have aimed ourselves to go above and beyond to love you, to bring you in, that you might be part of this family, part of this peaceful, part of this kingdom.